Would you pray with me, please? Let's ask the Lord to be with us as we begin this service. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are just so grateful that you have called us into your ministry. According to our gifts and according to our calling, each of us have responded. First of all, we have responded to your call for salvation, and so we are yours and we are saved by grace, grace alone, through faith, which we have placed on you. So our first calling was to respond to you in faith, and so we are yours. Secondly, Father, you have called each of us individually to service. Each of us, according to the gifts we have received, and some of us to very special callings in the leadership of your church, in the priesthood, or the aconite. And Father, I am grateful to you that we, by grace, have been called into your ministry. I thank you for the calling each person has received. I thank you for the response that each person has given. And I just pray, Father, that you would continue to equip us, continue to call us, continue to affirm your calling in us. Father, do not let us get away from that calling. And I just ask that you would bless us today and bless our church and bless the words that I am to speak, Father. I glorify you and my heart is yours in every way, Father God. In Jesus' holy name, amen. amen. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> I do want to, uh, in a way, say thank you, though I don't have to because this is the Lord's day. Uh, but I do want to say thank you to those of you that ventured out in this rain to come here for, uh, for this worship and for this time of annual meeting. Uh, hopefully some of the other members will also show up uh, a little later. But just be careful out there. And, and don't forget to pray for those who are traveling, whether they're part of this church or not. Let's, let's just pray for, for everyone. It's not my intention to have a long sermon today because we're going to have our annual meeting afterwards, but I also don't want to shorten myself or shorten anything that God has put in my heart to share with you, so bear with me. Today I, I felt, and especially for those who have joined us uh, since our last annual meeting, I wanted to venture a little bit on the idea of casting vision and what the vision of St. David's is. And I also wanted to share with you some of the uh, vision that we have for the rest of 2017 and perhaps into 2018. So I just wanted us to have a time of casting vision for me to share with you what's in my heart, what is in the heart of many of the leaders uh, of, of this church that have stepped up and said, I want to be part of that. So I, I want to spend some time sharing with you. Let's, let's first review uh, quickly, what is vision? Uh, what, what is it that we, uh, when, when I cast vision, uh, what is it that I am trying to do? And I've put out some statements uh, of what some very wiser people deny that I have studied over the years, and, and I've made notes of their comments on vision, what they've had to say. But vision is seeing what is not yet here. Visualizing something before it is. 
Okay? So casting vision basically is a dream of something to come. It's not right now. Uh, secondly, says vision for ministry is a clear mental image of a preferable future imparted by God in His chosen servants and is based upon an accurate understanding of God, of self, and circumstances. A vision is a clear picture of what the leader sees his group being or doing. I love the way these two individuals have described vision. The first one is Bill Hybels, and he says that vision is a holy discontent. And I just love that. It's a holy discontent because vision comes from God, and God kind of gives you a discontent over something that is either happening wrong or not happening. And there's a discontent in your heart and in your soul that this is not the way of God. And so it's a holy discontent because he might then call you to be the one that fixes the situation or that creates that something new that would work in accordance to the will of God. So I love it when he uh, says that vision is a holy discontent that grows within you that something has to be different, that it is not going the way God wants it to be. And then another person that I highly uh, admire uh, kind of went the same way, but he called it an inspirational dissatisfaction. Inspirational dissatisfaction. And then somebody said, passion fuels vision. And that is so true. Unless you're passionate about God, you're always going to remain on, uh, on status quo. But when you're passionate, let me tell you, you'll be drawn into things that you never thought you could be doing. Another one says, leadership begins when a vision emerges. Leadership begins when a vision emerges. Another individual, Dale Galloway, said, your vision will give you your map. Right? You understand that? Your vision will give you your map. And then someone said, vision will not contradict your passion, spiritual giftedness, life preparation, or life experience. And lastly, uh, John Haggai, uh, who I love his books on leadership, he said, any worthy vision comes from God. Any worthy vision comes from God. So this is where I come from when I consider vision. I, whenever I teach on vision or I share in a group of clergy about vision, my idea is as if I had a net, uh, a fisher's net, which goes very well with the gospel today, and I just throw it out into the future, into five years, and then begin to draw it into my present and try to discover in the present what it is God wants for me five years from now, ten years from now. And it needs to be unraveled, and it needs to be understood, and it needs to be studied, and goals need to be set, and all of that. But if it's going to be a godly vision, you have to throw it out into the future. 
and you have to say to yourself, what does God want me to catch or be or do in five or ten years? And then you draw it into your present so that you can start establishing the steps to eventually get there. So that's, that's how I approach visioning and, and looking forward to what is it God wants me to do. Now, how does vision work? Well, first of all, vision gives us direction. Without vision, we have no idea where we're going, and every day we'll do the same thing, and eventually five years come and ten years come, and you did not accomplish what God has put in your heart to do. So vision gives you direction or gives direction to any organization and especially to the church. Vision also is unifying because if we all catch the vision, it will unify us and it will bring us together to do together, not just me dragging you, but all of us catching the vision and saying, I want to be part of this thing that God has given the leadership of St. Davis. I want to support it, I'm going to pray for it, and I'm going to put my back to it myself. So vision unifies us and gets us all going and working on the same direction. And thirdly, vision, if it is from God, is going to be compelling and challenging. And I think that's important. Any vision that is too easy to accomplish is really not a worthy vision. Okay, my vision wasn't just to get here Sunday morning. That's a very, perhaps, uncompelling and unchallenging even with the rain. A vision from God always going to challenge us to do things we can only dream about and only imagine that God would use a puny human being like myself to do something that is so godly, so high, so His, that I will be put in situations where it will challenge me. So visions that are godly need to be compelling, challenging, and challenge your passions within you. Proverbs 29, 18 is, is a, classic, a classic statement from, from Proverbs where we read, without a vision, and some translations have it revelation, but without a vision, people perish, or people cast off restraints. Without a vision, churches perish. Without a vision, they don't know where they're going, why they're going, and what it takes to get there. And so things become rote, and things become common, and things become unchallenging, and, and there's no excitement in the work of God. So the proverb, uh, Solomon writes, without a vision, people perish. Churches perish. I also thought of myself, I, I was thinking, considering vision, how many of the great leaders of the Bible before they even set on to their ministry, first received a clear vision from God of what is it that they were being called to do. And, and the first person I looked at, of course, was Moses. I could have looked at Abraham and told you about it, but I, I thought of Moses, a man who felt so inadequate to do what God was calling him to do. And I read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, where God says to him, Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
And then he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God in this mountain. Moses clearly knew what God was calling him to do. Go back to Egypt, go confront Pharaoh, go bring my people back, and you will know you have accomplished it when you come to this holy mountain and the people worship me. He knew clearly what it was that God was commissioning him or giving him a vision to do. I also thought of Jeremiah, the Jeremiah of suffering, the Jeremiah that saw the destruction of Israel, who actually did not want to be a prophet. And I read in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God says to Jeremiah, Before I form you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And do not say, I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my word in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. He had his job description right there. Even though he had complained to God that send somebody else, I'm too young for this, God says, don't, no excuse. This is your commission and I've commissioned you since before you were born. And then, of course, I, contemporary of Jeremiah, I thought of Ezekiel. And briefly, I'll just say... Um, uh, Ezekiel 3, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them, for you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language. I mean, he was being sent to his own people, slaves in, in Babylon. He wasn't going to be a prophet to the Babylonians. He was going to be a prophet to his own Jewish brothers and sisters, slaves in Babylon. So I'm not sending you to people of unfamiliar speech or, or hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, whose words you cannot surely understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you, because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces, and your forehead strong against their foreheads, like adamant stone, harder than flint. I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, receiving to your heart all my words that I speak to you, and hear with your ear, and go, get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them, and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. And then, of course, uh, looking at the New Testament, the first person I looked at was Jesus. Did Jesus know clearly, without a doubt, what his commission was? what his ministry statement was, did he knew the will of his Father. There's no doubt that he did. And the words 
that came to my mind as I was thinking of Jesus receiving his commission or his knowledge of the commission is when he goes to Galilee and he goes into the synagogue and they invite him to read one of the lessons and they give him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And when he closed the role of the prophet Isaiah, he says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Because that was his calling. That's what he was about. And he would do it through his life, and he would do it through his work, and he would do it through his teaching, and ultimately he would set the captives free through the death on the cross. But Jesus always knew what his vision was and what God had asked him to do. And then the last person I looked at was Paul, the one that started as the persecutor of the church. And I go to the book of Acts where God says to Ananias, go to this guy named Saul. Oh, I can't go. That guy's a persecutor. He's bad. He's no good. And, and God says, well, uh, he says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And, and Paul knew from that very beginning he had been called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to the Jews, before kings and before princes and before anyone. And so he set his mind and his heart, like Flint, to do exactly what the Lord had called him to do. And I thought, God has never been unclear with his people as to the vision he has for them. God has never been unclear. And then I, I reread the gospel that was read this morning, and Peter and Andrew and James and John received a very clear statement from the beginning, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. That's the neatest, shortest job description and vision and direction that he could have given them. Come I will build you up into fishers of men, and then I will send you out to go get them. Go catch them. And that, that was a clear, short vision that they were to receive. I've been a priest at St. David's coming up quickly uh, in March, uh, 26 years. And I'm going to, I am probably right now, uh, the longest-lasting rector that St. David's has ever had through its history. And, um, and very early on, even from my previous church, I've always asked myself, Father, what is the vision you have for me as a person? What's my calling, Lord? What's my calling as an individual? And then eventually, because I think every one of you needs to write down your mission statement. I highly encourage you to pray about it, to cast the net out and write down what is it God wants for me. And write it down. What is your calling so that 
By the end of your life, you know you have hit the mark that God has set before you. I don't know if you have a mission statement or a vision for the rest of your life in the service of God. I encourage you to write it down. I have it written in my Bible. In the very front page, there is a long thing that I know as a person, that's my calling. And I have to read it often because I don't always hit the mark. But I have to keep going back to it to reassure me and to redirect me and to re-encourage me that I have a calling from Almighty God. I've been wanting to quit the ministry at least three times that I can remember. When it's gotten very difficult, and it's not that you've been difficult, it's that sometimes I put more pressure on myself than the people even expect from me. And that is the truth. Sometimes it's been me, all me. I want to conquer the world, and sometimes I'm not sent to conquer the world. But the one thing I've always known, whenever I thought of quitting, I thought that I did not hire myself. And I've told myself, I did not hire myself. I got hired by Almighty God, and if somebody's going to fire me, it's going to have to be Him. But I'm not quitting And I've had to recommission myself, go back to prayer, get down on my face before God, and ask for forgiveness for my own failures. And in the process, learn that I'm not ever going to be perfect. I am never, ever going to do everything that I want to do, but I am to do what God has called me to do to the best of my ability. And at the end of it all, I'm just a servant doing a job. And learning that has saved me from many times of just saying, I just can't do this, I'm not good enough, or blah, 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 that goes through our minds. But I've also have to develop a clear vision in my heart when I throw the net out there of what is it that St. David's ought to be, and what is my ministry in St. David's, and what is it that we are to do. And so we have written, I have written and shared it with the vestry a number of times, this is the vision of our church. And in very short term, St. David's is a Christian church with no less than 250 active members. Remember, you cast into five or ten years. Listen, we're nowhere near 250. Nowhere near, but we're, we're getting there, one person at a time. Let me also say at this point that I have no interest in being the pastor of a mega church. I don't think that's my calling. I think my calling is my flock, and I need to be faithful to my flock. But I also know in my heart that we, if we ever start hitting the 200, 210, 220, I'm going to ask 50 of you to go out and plant a new church somewhere else. And then we'll keep working toward the 250. And once we're getting close again, I'm going to send another 50 out, and we're going to support them, and we're going to help them to plant someplace else, another Anglican church. Do you know that we are the farthest northwest church of the diocese in Southern California? There is not another Anglican church west of us. And there are ample Anglicans in Camarillo, in in Thousand Oaks, in in all these areas to the north, Simi Valley. There are people in those areas who would want an Anglican church. And speaking with, with the president of the diocese, Spencer, he has shared with me of the numbers of people who keep approaching the bishop and saying, will there be an Anglican church over in this area? 
I don't want to get to 300, 400. I'd rather multiply our churches and keep growing in different directions. So my goal and my vision is 250. But around 250, and then we'll send a group out and bring a clergy person. And, and there's a whole process of planting churches, and, and I want to pursue. I want to see Armenian church planted in Glendale. I want to see Spanish church planted in, in San Fernando. I want to see, and how God's going to use me, I have no idea. But I'm the pastor of this church. And I want you and I to pray and dream about the day that we can give birth to other churches. So, 250 active members fully equipped in God's Word. You need to want to be equipped in God's Word. You want to be hungry for God's Word. You need to be in the Word, and I need to preach to you the Word. Faithfully unadulterated. Fully equipped in God's Word, empowered for ministry by the Holy Spirit and sent out to carry out the ministry for which we have been called. That's the vision from where I work. And I have developed all kinds of goals and divided it. And, and you know what? I need help in getting this thing done. I, I can't do it by myself. I know that. But I have the works. I have the how to do it. But, but it will take work and it will take uh, challenge. Uh, for all of us. The mission statement of St. David's is, is very short and brief and it's intended to be, but the mission statement of St. David's is to live Jesus. To live Jesus. What does that mean? It simply means that when people visit this church, Jesus has to be visible here. He needs to be living among us and with us. Living Jesus is that each of us needs to ooze out Jesus. They need to meet Jesus in you and in me and in what they see in this church. They need to leave this place saying, I was with people of Jesus who reflected Jesus. That's the minimum they should be able. Whether they return or not, they should go home saying, this, kind, this, this group of people, boy, they are in the right track. So to live Jesus, to share Jesus evangelistically, to teach Jesus and to take Jesus to others in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a very, very brief, uh, memorable, rememberable, to live, to share, to teach, and to take Jesus. Everywhere we can, we take him in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me talk a little bit about 2017. First of all, I want to say 2016 was an amazing year. You will get my full report in a few minutes when we start the meeting. Certainly was a crazy year in some ways. We've had so much happening internationally and nationally. I mean, it's, it's just been crazy. On the other hand, we've had the tremendous blessing of the unity of our two churches into one. And to me, that's a tremendous blessing. I, I am so grateful to God for each of you, and, and uh, the way that God has orchestrated it, the way we make each other feel, the way we have loved one another almost without seams. Only God in you and in us orchestrated such a thing because it could have been difficult and it could have been crazy in all kinds of ways, but it hasn't been. 
And I pray God it continues to be this way. All of us working together and, and really trying hard to, uh, to love one another as he calls us to, to love one another. So vision for 2016 has been great. It's been a great year in so many ways for St. David's. You'll get in a minute uh, or in a little bit a full report of, of finances and a full report of, of all the things we have done. Uh, it's just been great, but I'm always a person that doesn't look always backwards. Backwards for me is so I can teach and launch. I'm, I'm the kind of person that is an optimistic. I'm the kind of person that wants to know what God wants me to do in the next step because I can't do nothing about what I didn't do. I got to keep asking myself, Lord, what's my next step? How are you going to use me, empower me, try me, test me? What am I to learn? But I'm looking ahead. I'm looking forward. And let me say to you uh, that much of what we've done in 2016 will continue in 2017. Many of our ministries will continue just as strong, if not stronger, than, 20, uh, than in 2016. Um, Ministry to infants, ministering to, to our children. We have a tremendous team of teachers that are rotating so it doesn't fall on one person. We have a, a college age group that Alex and I are, are leading. And, and let me tell you, I'm so excited about our college group. Uh, it's only right now about five faithful ones. But man, they are amazing, these kids. Uh, or these young people and the questions they have, they don't let us get away with anything. You know, they will call us and they will say, what does that mean? And what if? And what that? And which I love it because I, I love being an apologist for the faith. And, and our college group is doing such an amazing job. And I'm so excited we started this on, on 2016 and look forward to it growing as, as we know of more uh, college young men and women. Our sages, uh, our sages ministry have done an amazing job through 2016, and we're going to continue uh, with the leadership of Spencer uh, and others uh, uh, on the sages, and, and that is amazing. Our Bible studies are going to continue. My Bible study on Tuesday nights is going to continue. We have somebody else that came to me recently and said, Father Jose, the Lord has been telling me, and he won't leave me alone, that I'm to start a Bible study in Pasadena. And so we're praying about that to start another Bible study uh, in the area of Pasadena. I think Father Steve has been consulted about this as well. And so I'm, and we have a Bible study in, in the uh, west side on, in uh, Thousand Oaks, is it? Camarillo, uh, Camarillo at, at Brian's and, and Becky's. Um, and we, we need to multiply. And we have others who are involved in other Bible studies uh, multiple Bible studies, some of you uh, in different places. And I want to keep pounding on you. You have to be in the Word. If you're not in the Word, you're going to go downward instead of upward. You're going to get weaker instead of stronger in your faith, in your commitment, and in your walk. So you need to get into a Bible study. Uh, we have started uh, the screw tape letters here uh, with Brenda, and that is exciting. I just picked in last week. And it's, it's just uh, amazing the way that is going to be. I'm almost envious. Uh, I like to be part of it as well, and as much as I can, I want to do it. Uh, but we're going to keep doing many of the things, our lens, 
our ushers, our readers. We have readers' training planned because we have new people that may want to become readers, new people that want to become lambs. We want a number of things that we're going to be continuing to do and to strengthen. But we're also going to start some new things. There's some ministries about to be launched. We are about to launch because Pastor Jan He's just waiting for his leader to say yay, but we're about to launch, which is a first for St. David's, Family Promise. I'm looking forward to starting Family Promise here. Family Promise is uh, an organization that takes in people who are homeless, but who can have a future and have the ability to get jobs and all of that, and we actually house them in the church uh, for a week for one week from Monday through Sunday, and then that Sunday they go to another church, and they are housed. They're being trained. They're being cleaned up. They are being sent to, uh, to job interviews. They, they're helped to get back on track in their lives, and they keep positioning new people in their own housing, which then they can are able to pay their rent, and so we may need to uh, some of us may volunteer to sleep overnight at church for one week or one person on Monday or two people on Tuesday or somebody on Wednesday, and that's going to be new for St. David's, but that's going to be an opportunity to bless people and to give them a hand while they get up on, on life uh, again. I've asked uh, Richard and Beverly if they would join Molly and I, and I want to relaunch the marriage ministry at St. David's. We want to equip marriage couples. We want to have trainings. We, have to, we want to have guests. We want to have retreats. We want to keep working on strengthening the basic unity of the church and the basic unity of society, which is the family. Broken families mean broken children, broken hopes, broken all kinds of things, and ultimately a broken society. So we're going to launch a marriage ministry or relaunch it, uh, and, and so we're going to be getting together to talk and see how that's going to be. Two of the ministries that I'm, we're going to launch brand new at St. David's, which I'm very excited about, one is the cancer care ministry. Cancer care ministry means that a group of us that volunteer, whenever someone has cancer in our church or through a friend in our church, if you know someone who could use help, who could use love, who could use prayers, who could use encouragement, we will assign two people from this team to work with that family, not only the person with cancer, but the family. And we're going to try and bring the love of Christ into that family. If we can give them a right to, to the doctor, we'll give them a right to the doctor. As we did with Janet, every time that there is a chemo session, we're going to give them goodies that will help them go through that chemo time, that, that week. Um, it could be CDs. It could be a book to read. It could be tickets to a, uh, to a movie theater. It could be whatever. But we want to bless and go and encourage and live and walk and hold up 
those who are suffering from this terrible disease of cancer in our community, whether we know them, whether we don't know them, whether they're Christians or they're not Christians. We're not going to proselytize. We're just going to show the love of Christ through the cancer care ministry. And Alex and Deanna Fallow are going to lead us in the cancer care ministry. And that's going to be launched very soon. And whoever wants to be part of that, if that is something you feel strong about, we welcome a strong team because it is a deadly disease and an awful disease that is uh, affecting too many people. And we all know people who have either died or, or have been victorious over cancer or are going through cancer right now. And anyone who calls on St. Davis and says, can you help? We're going to send and we're going to have a, a two people assigned and they're going to be the link between St. David's and that family and that patient. And we're going to learn how to minister to, uh, to people with cancer. But the other ministry that we're launching at the same time is what we're calling the agape care ministry. Because we recognize that there are many diseases that are not cancer. There are other needs that are not necessarily cancer. It could be heart problems. It could be all sorts of things that are a kidney failure. It could be a heart failure. It could be a mental. It could be whatever. But Lori and Tom met with me uh, uh, Friday, and they have a, such a huge heart, and they want to lead us in establishing and forming, like the cancer care ministry, but this is going to be an agape care ministry, the love of God that doesn't ask for anything in return, that just goes out to help people. Anyone who is in need at St. David's needs to know they can come to our church, and there's limitations of how much we can do, but there's no limitations how much we can love. And we're going to try everything we can to help people that are in need. And the agape care ministry is going to be divided into three parts. The men are going to continue and relaunch in a way the toolbox. I don't know how many people know that if you need repairs in your house, repair, if you're an elderly person or someone disabled in some way and you cannot fix a sprinkler head, our men will come and fix it for you. If you cannot get up to the, to the fire extinguisher and change your battery, our men will come and change those batteries for you. If you are ill and you need a handrail uh, installed in your bathroom, we'll install it for you. The toolbox exists by the men's ministry of St. David's to help any one of you who cannot do something for yourself. We will come or we will find someone that can come and do a job for you uh, and, and help you. So the toolbox is being redirected, re-resurrected, and you need to be aware that if you need anything, you can call and we will come and do our very best to help you. But secondly, we have the, the agape care, which is going to be caring for anyone that, that needs us. We're going to try and, and help everyone that we can. And number three is uh, the prayer component. The prayer component. We are, you know, we're going to rechange a little bit the connection card. And we're going to change it a little bit because there is a box there that says for pastors only. So if you want uh, only me to get your prayer request, it'll come directly to me. But a second box that we're going to add is just going to say prayer warriors. And that's for a small group of people who are committed. The moment you call and say, my doctor said I need surgery tomorrow, or such and such was in an accident, will communicate with these prayer warriors, and they will start praying 
constantly and stop at what they're doing to pray for your need. And number three will be a general uh, prayer list that we can just send to you the prayer list each week and you will know who to be praying for. Right now, only I get it pretty much. I think maybe Father Steve or Diane, uh, but that's probably as far as it goes. But we want to enlarge the, the numbers of people that can be part of praying for people. And, and of course, Diane is awesome in leading us in prayer each Sunday here. And I need to be more aware of announcing that each Sunday. Uh, but we're going to continue to lay hands and pray for people. Every Sunday needs to be a Sunday of prayer. And so those are new things that we are launching that's part of this vision that God has called us to be His people in this world through our church. So I'm excited. I'm super excited of being your pastor. I'm super excited about a new year. I'm super excited of the future. I think God is awesome. I think God is not leaving us. I think God is going to empower us, and I look forward to the work that God is still going to do with all of us. But let me repeat, none of us in leadership can do it by ourselves. We can't. These things will fail and will only hit, you know, miss and hit. We need and encourage you, if God is calling you to give some of your time to help others, that you join any of these ministries or perhaps more than one ministry and just say, Father Jose or, or Tom and Lori or Alex and Diana, I want to be part of the care ministry of St. David's. And the least I can do is try, and then I'll see how, how it goes. Nothing is signing blood in ministry, only Jesus. Uh, and if you try a ministry and it doesn't work for you, you can say, you know, I, this is not for me. That's fine. That's, that's fine. We're not a big church, but we do have a big God. We do have a huge God. And it's not about the size of the church that matters. It's about the heart of the church that matters. It's about the spirit in the church that matters. You know, we're going to continue to support at least seven missionaries around the world. I mean, there are large churches not supporting that many people. So I just want to close by saying thank you. I'm excited to be part of you. I hope you catch the vision and that you can be part of the vision and that you can help us all to, uh, to reach this vision so that when our days on earth are over, we can say to the Lord, I've done my job. Lord Jesus. That's the ultimate goal of every believer is to say, I, I did it, Lord. I did my best. Here is your servant. I've been faithful to the calling and the vision you gave me through my church. Amen?